Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Chris Cayella. Chris, did I say it right today? You did it. Awesome. Did it. All right, cool. First take, folks. First take. Imagine that. Anyway, Chris's, Chris's bio shows him as a writer, producer, creative director. But we're talking to him tonight primarily about dirt and audio drama. So, Chris, welcome. Thanks for taking some time to sit down. Thank you. Glad to but, be here. Let's just jump. Let me, here's the first question for you. Why did you decide to do dirt? Why, what? It doesn't seem to line up with your professional career that I'm aware of. Not, you know, so what, what, why, why dirt? That's a great question. And I, on the topic of dirt, let me first wish you a happy Mount St. Helens day. Oh my gosh. You're right. Is the time it of this is? recording? Yeah. It's, was it 43 years ago? I this believe is, it was. Yeah. Yep. 43. Uh, 43 years ago, I was, uh, I'll, I'll get to your question in a moment, but okay. 43 years ago, I was on uh, Fairchild Air Force Base with my parents in the car on the way to an air show, like the annual air show. And there were probably 200 cars in line waiting to get through the gate. And then uh, police cars came uh, zooming the other direction where, of course, there were no cars because we were all trying to get in. They were coming out and with blaring on their loudspeakers. Everybody turn around, go home. So that was my uh, that was my Mount St. Helens Day experience. And in Spokane, within three hours of getting back home, it was pitch black in the afternoon and snowing ash. It was a really wild, fascinating day. So you don't look old enough to have been in a car remembering this. How old, so how old were you? Thank you for saying that. Uh, I get that comment. A lot of people are surprised to learn that I was actually born in 1970. So what? I, yeah. Folks, folks, I know this is audio, folks. He, honest to God, you look like you're about 35. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the the uh, the time of night that my uh, body wants to go to sleep, which is around 8:45 these days, would say otherwise. I'm I've turned the corner into clearly into my 50s and ready to. Go to bed late, go to bed early and or go That's to bed early, early and get up early. 45 late, man. <laughs> we can't get 45 <laughs> late. Oh my God. So yeah. I'm trying to remember. So you were, okay. So Spokane. So I was in the Tacoma Puyallup area then. I was a senior in high school. Yeah. And um, I really don't remember all that much. I, yeah, I just, I, I remember the aftermath of it that, you know, ash was everywhere you shouldn't buy a used car because they were destroyed by the ash people. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of things like that. I remember bits and pieces. Yeah. So I went to college the next year. I started college at central in, in 1980. And my roommate, who is the guy who is the producer of the show, Todd, Todd's parents owned a jewelry store and like all good entrepreneurs, they found somebody that was making what they, they, they named it St. Helenite, which they compressed the ash, ash into glass. And it was this emerald green color and they were faceting it and selling it. So there was a craft fair at school and Todd was selling St. Helenite stones and jewelry. It was, that's ever the entrepreneur ever. So, okay. So back to this. So you're the writer, producer, creative director, which all ties into to launching a, a drama, a podcast. But how did this, I mean, I, I can, yeah. how did this come about? What was the, what was this like? And maybe tell it to us as best you can from your wife's standpoint. What did she think when you said, hey, I want to do this? <laughs> that That's a great place to start because it was uh, in early days of the pandemic. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, my wife, Sarah, and I were hunkered down here in the house uh, together. Um, and fortunately, we get along very well and do do well, do quite well together in, in uh, small spaces and whatnot. So um, uh, 
I just before you know lockdown and quarantine and all that stuff that happened, uh, I I actually just had started listening to basically you know what are called audio dramas or fiction podcasts, and mm-hmm. and these are you know there there are hundreds of them that are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you know all the different platforms and. Um, I listened to one in particular, which I was actually just listening to again last night on my uh, dog walk, walking my dog called uh, Limetown. And Limetown was produced, I think, four or five years ago. I don't I'm not even sure um, where the uh, where where the producers live, but um, it 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 was a big hit at the time. And it still is a very popular uh, with, you know, fiction podcast. And it basically was sort of like this pretend NPR format where the host, a woman, is investigating the uh, mysterious events that take place in a town in uh, Tennessee. Okay. And the the audio engineering, the sound design, the music, the acting, all just come together in this, like, just beautiful piece of sort of uh, fictionalized documentary magic. And uh, so I binged that season one uh, of Limetown. Then I promptly dove right into five or six other uh, sort of popular at the time um, audio dramas and just something, something clicked. And I was like, I'm at home, I'm working full time. I, you know, have all these, you know, all, you know, all the duties of, you know, house, keeping the house clean and feeding the animals and all that were still going on, but I'm here. I have maybe more uh, spare time than I would have had before with, you know, commuting into the office and whatnot, uh, no longer happening. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a microphone and I'm going to buy a recorder and I'm just going to start playing around. And mm. uh, with with Limetown and other shows sort of as my inspiration. Uh, so cup, so that was sort of like the the sort of like the ooh, new toys, you know, uh, <laughs> play with play with new toys aspect of it. Uh, additionally, you know, going way back to the 90s, I got a creative writing degree at the University of Washington. And I'd always intended to, you know, write short stories about, you know, just things that uh, are interest me. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I love to read short stories. Um, and uh, but, you know, you only have so much time in the day when you're working full time, et cetera, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, at the same time that I was like, I'm going to jump in and try this audio thing. I was like, I have like 10 ideas that have been in my head for 10, 15 years Let's see if I can put a lot of these ideas together and form some some sort of longer narrative. Okay. And uh, so those two things just kind of all just kind of came together at the same time uh, that, you know, the world was sort of turning upside down and it just seemed like a, a good time to try something new. So what did your wife say? She said, go for it. She has been by far uh, the most supportive person of this show and of me in general. Uh, so I'm very very grateful uh, to the time that she allows for me uh, to do this. And, you know, it is, it is a nights and weekends uh, endeavor for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, there's been some time sacrifices that have gone into it, but uh, fortunately she enjoys the show. She actually has a few small parts in the show. Mm-hmm. I refer to her as the co-producer, even though she's not actually, you know, in the weeds and putting the episodes together like I am, but she does some of the marketing materials and just generally uh, gives me a thumbs up, thumbs down on the uh, drafts of the episodes as I um, produce them uh, and get ready to put them out into the world. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go off on a sidetrack for just a second because I want to I want to make sure I th- let you know where I'm at in the show because what I don't sure. want are spoilers. Okay. So if I ask questions, I don't want to spoil. So I'm currently listening to episode 10. Okay. Well, you've gotten pretty far along. Yeah. yeah I'm Thank listening you. to episode 10. So I have questions I want to ask, but I also don't want to know. So I'm going to just ask you to kind of, if you can, if you, if you spoil it, that's okay. But I mean, I'm going to, yeah. So pandemic, get this idea. You buy some toys, you're playing around. How long was it from the idea that, hey, I think I might want to try something here to starting the actual recording with with your actors? Yeah, I would say it was a pro it was probably about five months. Okay. Maybe maybe less than that. Um, once I had 
once I had a, a Zoom recorder, not 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 Zoom, the, the product yeah. we're using to talk to each other, but Zoom is an actual yep. uh, product based in Japan that makes some excellent audio recorders. I um, use an H8 when I record these in person. Outstanding. And I have an H5 that I use. Um, so once I had that and then a couple of basic microphones that I could plug into it, mm-hmm. um, I, w- I was so excited. There was, there was no stopping the train at that point. I was like, this is going to be a lot of fun. So what I didn't have yet was like a script, right? right. To, uh, or a fully fleshed out script anyway, mm-hmm. to, to actually give to somebody and say, here's your part. Let's record you. So the, the time between having the toys and actually sitting down with the first person that I recorded uh, which was Jeannie Leslie, who plays the part of Kim, Joseph's sister. So you've listened to enough of the mm-hmm, show that mm-hmm. you know you know who that character is. And thank you, thank you so much again for listening, by the way. Um, uh, so once I had uh, enough of season one written that I could sit down with her and say, "Are you interested in doing this?" Um, uh, you know, there was just a lot of sort of um, busy work of figuring out. You know, do I? Uh, does this, uh, you know, share, sharing the script with uh, some friends and family and saying, does this feel like it could be anything? Are you interested in where this is going? Does it feel compelling? You know, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And um, so I got, you know, pretty good feedback there. And then I showed it to to Jeannie, who does have some acting, ex- theatrical acting experience uh, in Seattle. And she was like, sign me up. And I was <laughs> like, all right, let's do this. And I was pretty upfront with Jeannie uh, that I had no idea uh, what I was really doing, I this it was, was really learning, you know, the proverbial building the the plane while it's in the air. Mm-hmm. And um, so experimenting with different microphones, experimenting with how far away the microphone was from, you know, our mouths and, uh, you know, doing, you know, do we, do we act out both of our parts at the same time? Or do I just record your voice and do like 10 takes of each line and then build it later? So it was all just sort of like one big, beautiful mess to start out with and fortunately since then i have developed um more you know processes and and preferred ways of doing things that make the, make it go you know more efficiently and and uh and hopefully you know it sounds all right too well the the sound design and everything so far i mean thumbs up on my side as a listener so let's i'd like to talk about recording them for a second um are you recording all the parts for one episode at a time, or are you sitting down with an actor and, and asking them to read their parts for a season at a time or something different? The latter. I, uh, I'm really trying to be respectful of my, uh, actors, uh, time. And by the way, all the actors are friends or coworkers of mine mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe two or three people. So, and with the exception of Jeannie, uh, none of us have any real trained voice acting experience. Okay. So we're, um, you know, we're just sort of uh, trying our best as we go. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Remind me of the original so, question. So then. you're recording a, an entire season in a yes. batch with, with, so you'd sit, let's say I was on your show, you'd sit down with me and say, okay, here's your lines. Let's, let's go through them. Let's go through them. And so it might be episode, I might be in episode one. I might be in episode five and episode eight. We're just knocking them all out. You're done with me. You move on to the next, the next talent. Okay. Yes, that is, that is correct. And I just find that it's, I can get a little more consistent performance that way too. Um, because, you know, within that hour or two span that we're recording together, um, you know, uh, myself as the director in that situation and the actor, we're just sort of getting into a good groove, right? And mm-hmm. starting to starting to feel it, feel the flow. And so, yes, the we it's, it's best in and to just get it all done, everything that I have written all at once. And is that and so has that worked well for the actors? Are they it's like I'm I'm sitting here in my mind going, I don't know. I mean, I'm got my imaginary, you know, I've got my script here, my my lines, and I'm looking at it, and I don't have anybody to work off of though. Are, are you reading the other side to help them or, okay. So you're kind of, you're playing all the other parts that they may be interacting with for this to help them get in character. Yes, that's okay. correct. So, um, so I may not be like fully acting out the other lines, but, right. uh, certainly reading the lines and giving them the line to, to bounce off of. Right. Okay. And then also like 
uh, I would say not just explaining, but over explaining the scene and the context and what's happened prior and what's happened after. And I'm pretty careful to just give, give people just their bits. Um, mm -hmm. If they, if they ask for more, if they want to know more, I'll gladly share it, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it's a lot, it can be overwhelming. Like, like, here you go. Here's a, here's a hundred page script, you know, uh, fine, you know, and uh, that, <laughs> that can just uh, rattle somebody pretty quickly. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, basically me just sort of giving them that context and then, um, and usually, by the way, the other character that they're interacting with is my character. I play the the lead character of Joseph Elo mm -hmm. because this the story is so intensely first person. There's there's not a scene that that Joseph, my character, is not in. Okay. So yeah, sure. usually, usually the other character that they would be interacting with is mine uh, okay. anyway. So it works out. All right. Then, oh, I, I, we're gonna. We're going to talk technical for a little bit here, but we'll, we'll try to spare the audience. They might like it, but I could geek out on this, but so you've got, you've got all the files and you're putting it together. What, what are you using to, to build this with? Yeah. So I use uh, Adobe audition mm -hmm. and uh, it isn't like I went out and shopped around or demoed all, all the, all the, uh, the DAWs, as we say, the digital, right. um, um, uh, oh, what does DOS stand for? I suddenly blanked. Anyway, Digital Audio Workstation, I think, right. is what DOS stands for. Uh, and there are a lot out there, there right? And so um, uh, my wife is a graphic designer. She has the entire Adobe Creative Suite. Uh, you, you know, she she she's already paying for it. And uh, the audition happens to be, you yep. know, part of that. And so I was like, hey, you get two logins with your subscription, not just one, but two. So how about if I am your other login? And uh, so <laughs> I just, you know, was able to download Audition onto my um, onto my machine here, start fiddling around. And uh, it, it has more, far more than enough things okay. going on than I, than I would ever use. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there are things in there that like really serious, uh, you know, uh, college trained engineers would, would use sure. that are no, that are of no use to myself. And so, but, uh, it has served me well. Episodes are about 30 minutes, you know, ish, right? At least so far. Yeah. 20 to 20 to 30. You know, so let's call it there. How long is it taking you to put one together? Oh, uh, that's the big question. So I've never done the math. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that it is not uh, fast. Yeah, it's not fast, and uh, you know, part of that. Uh, but but I will actually I will caveat it that I enjoy how long it takes. I really sort am sort of jealously own each aspect of the production of the show. I really I really love the different you know hats that mm -hmm. I get to wear. Um, so, but because it's me primarily doing all the different. Um, all the different roles. Uh, it's also uh, subject to how much time do I have or how much time is my day job taking up? Or mm -hmm. are we, uh, are we going to Wenatchee, uh, which is where you live uh, to visit, to visit family where, you know, we happen to have family living in Wenatchee as well uh, for the weekend, you know, so there's, it's, it's life oftentimes, um, right. you know, taking over and, and uh, more certainly more important things than uh, working on a, a fiction podcast. And so um, that's a long way of not answering your question. I would say, <laughs> I would, I would say it's, it's anywhere between um, three to five weeks per episode. Wow. Okay. That yep. is, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. I mean, yeah. I know it's not three to five weeks, 24 seven, but three to five weeks of, 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 of parsing it out, fitting it in around the jigsaw puzzle of life. Okay. Yep. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I try to do things in batches, right? So I, I'll do all, I'll do as much of the recording up front as I can so that I just have those files right, ready and waiting when I get to that part of the story and I'm already, you know, I'm already creating sound effects or I'm already, um, you know, doing other things. And then, uh, and then that way I don't have to pause everything to go out and record that person. I, I hopefully already have that in the can and can just grab it and, you know, cut up the dialogue and grab the takes that I like the best and slot them in and hopefully it all uh, fits together. Okay. So the reason that you're, that we're talking about an audio drama, 
on this pod, a podcast talking about podcasts. Well, very is, meta. That, yeah, exactly. Is that the story takes place primarily in Washington State. And you've your character visits lots of... Oh, I really like the places that you're having your character go because you could have said, you know, we went to Woodenville. Nothing against Woodenville. Nothing. I, no, don't disrespect anybody, please. Don't don't get mad at me. But you, this could have taken place on Bainbridge Island. This could have taken place in Seattle. But no, we're going to Wapato. Talk about Toppenish. You're talking about, um, well, Aberdeen, Grace Harbor County, PL. I mean. PL, how did you, <laughs> where, where, where are these, look, how did you pull these locations? Have you been to PL by the way? I have, mm-hmm. I have. I've been to yeah. every place that you've named so far. Oh, I love that. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a romantic story, right? Although right. there is. There is like maybe elements of of that, but it's it. I I wanted it to just be kind of a, a an everyday everyday places kind of a story, and um, and I think you know demographically there's so much going on in this state mm-hmm. that people never see on TV or on a postcard, um, or maybe even read in the Seattle Times or whatever, right? And so. Um, I like the unexpected out of the way parts of this state very much. Um, and also there's, um, there's actual real connections to these places for me in real life. Um, my father was born in PL. Really? Or I should, or I should say his parents, my grandparents, mm-hmm. who, uh, a lot of my family members have inspired the characters mm-hmm. uh, in in the podcast. So, but my my grandparents lived in PL when my father was born. Um, I think uh, at uh, some bigger town down the street, which was probably just barely bigger. But uh, <laughs> maybe Raymond, or, or maybe yeah, 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 exactly. Centralia, maybe Centralia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think it actually might have been in a hospital in Centralia. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up. Uh, going to the Yakima Valley constantly as a, as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. I had relatives who lived in um, Sunnyside and uh, Grandview mm-hmm. as well as Yakima itself. And so I know all those small towns, you know, throughout the um, the Yakima Valley, uh, maybe not intimately, I've not lived in any of them, but I've no. visited them and been through them many, many times in my life that I feel a strong connection to that, uh, that, that part of the state. I think to me, that's one of the things that I'm enjoying about, about the story is that it's not, it's not taking place in a place I know too well. Like if you, let's say it's taking place in Tacoma and you make a reference that I feel is not accurate. I wouldn't, I would probably, cause I did catch something. I did catch a, an actual error in your description. I love it. I love it. Grandfather went to college, graduated from where in the story graduate use. You say he graduated from central Washington university. I did say that it would not have been central Washington university at that time. Was it something, something college? It'd be, it'd be central Washington college or, it might have been there was another name for Central, and I think it. I think at that period of time it would have been Central Washington College because it wasn't a university back then. And I'm giving that to you. I'm teasing you because I went to Central, so that's the only reason that I have any connection to that. I knew you did. I read that. Yeah. So, and you know, my bio says my freshman year was the best six years of my life. So, really, how much studying was I doing at Central? <laughs> um, no, and I. But the point is, if it was say Seattle Tacoma based or someplace I knew really well, and you say, oh, we were on. And I'm making this up, you know, we were in Tacoma and we went to, we went up in the space needle. Oh, come on, come on, man. But, but you're picking these towns that are, I've been to, and I have kind of these hazy, like, like I can't place Wapato. I mean, I can, but I can't like, I don't know if I'm thinking what, when I think about quote unquote downtown Wapato, am I thinking about downtown Toppenish? I don't know. I have to go right. back there now and I actually kind of want to. Yeah. So 
I love the fact that the story is taking place at least so far. I don't know where else it'll go. Um, in these smaller communities um, with interesting characters within those smaller communities. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I mean, to, for most people, Wapato is a, is just a sign on, on the freeway, right? right. Um, they don't, uh, they don't, you wouldn't know it one town from the next. And I think that's, you know, I try to make my story feel like what I would do driving through there, which is to take that exit and just go see what's down the road a little ways. Okay. You know, just take, take the time to just go down and explore have a look around. Um, and, uh, that's, that's a bit what I want the story to feel like that you've actually, you know, gotten off the main road and gone down the side road a little bit, to see what's happening. And I'm, I'm scrolling through and looking at the cast. I was going to ask a question and I'm, I, and, and now I can see because there's, there's one character that I, I've, I found him highly annoying. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> well, I wasn't good. No, uh, Carl. Yes. I found Carl to be highly annoying. Mm -hmm. Now, and I was going to ask you if he shows up in more episodes and I see that I'm going to, he's going to, he's going to come back in a couple. So I'm curious. I don't want to know anything more. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I like what you're doing here. So since I'm on episode 10, where am I at in the story arc? Because you're, so I'm in, that's season two. Episode 10 is in season two and you're on season three. So you have, are, you have you completed the whole story? And have you, maybe not scripted it out, but do you have the whole story concept lined out? I do, uh, but not to the level of detail that you're hearing currently, right? right? right. So, um, so I do know generally how it will end mm -hmm. um i do know that there will be you know has to be some s sort of surprise twist at the end <laughs> and um and and, and I, I generally know each character's um story arc mm -hmm. also to get mm -hmm. to the end and um you know I, like joseph's story arc has been one of a bit of a downward spiral and you're you know you're sent you're sort of starting to sense maybe that that's happening where you're at currently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it doesn't mean that his entire arc is going to end down in the gutter somewhere, but, um, you know, there's, there are more changes and surprises to come, I guess okay. is what I will say. Okay, and, um, but yeah, it's, you know, as the writer, uh, or as a writer, um, and as someone who's, you know, newer to fiction, as I mentioned, I, you know, have a creative writing degree, but I never really put it to use until this show. Mm -hmm. um, it's been really a wonderful experience. And I had read about this, other writers saying this and experiencing this, that you don't always know what's going to happen. I, I don't, as a writer, I don't know always what's going to happen, not just at the end, mm -hmm. but maybe, but maybe a page from now. Right. Really? And, and as you go, the, there's just sort of an element of, uh, you know, ideas just sort of come up and you sort of follow that path and see where it leads. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a little bit of, um, there's just a little bit of magic involved in that and elements of surprise where even my, even I, as a writer, like, well, I didn't know that was going to happen but looks like we're going there. So you just sort of chase that down and follow it and, and, and see where it goes. Okay. Yeah. I, I have you for, for the, for the purposes of the show, are you going, have you, did you go to PL to see what it looks like today? Not today, but modern, you know, current times. Um, are you going, have you been touring the state to do this? Or are you pulling most of this from, from the memory or? Uh, I, I have been to every spot okay. that okay. Uh, that the sh that the show travels to. Um, yeah, I I actually went to PL. Um, I guess three years ago, my sister and I took my dad there because mm -hmm. it had been it had been decades since he had been in that part of the state. You right. know where where uh, his own origins. My my dad lives over in Spokane, which is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of a you know a small 
family field trip that we did that uh, just to go see it. But in the back of the back of my mind, I I knew that I would probably use that as a location in the story. So absolutely, okay. you know, there was part of my brain that was sort of taking taking mental notes and right. logging the way things looked and how they were you know laid out and stuff. And then, you know, of course, you know, we have so much technology at our disposal yeah. these days. You, you can't, you know, you can see just about anything on Google Street View and to, to remind yourself of right, right, <laughs> uh, yeah. of what you saw. But um, no, I don't think there's any location uh, that the story has or will go to that I don't act that I don't okay. actually personally know or have have experienced myself. So I'm trying to pick my questions carefully. Like once again, I don't want to know too much, but will it go beyond season three? Yeah, it will. Um, I've written, I've written to the end of season three and I'm currently working on the last two and a half episodes of season three and there will, but I know the story will wrap up in one more season. So there'll be four seasons, four seasons. Yeah. And, and, uh, probably seven, six to seven more, uh, chapters in season four. And then, uh, that'll do it. And, uh, Hey, maybe I'll go George Lucas and decide to prequel this this puppy. I have <laughs> I have no idea. No, I probably won't. I, I've enjoyed the story. And one thing I like about um I've enjoyed writing the story. And one thing that I like about it is how it bounces around in time. Mm-hmm. Um, although as you hopefully have noticed, it it's the story itself is very much in the present, right? Yes. So it just it bounces around in time based on stories that Joseph is reading about mostly about his grandfather's life stories, um, stories, uh, that he wrote, but, um, I could see that there are ways to maybe expand the story beyond what's happening exclusively in the 2020s. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you package up the first episode, I'm just going to assume that you you completed episode one first. Okay. Yeah. You might've been working on the rest of season one, but chapter one completed it first. Yes. What was the initial reaction of your people that you shared it with them? You know, you're close. I'm going to guess you, you share with friends and family, inner circle type folks. What was the, what was the initial reaction and were you nervous to share it? Yeah. Great questions. I was nervous to share it. And you're, excuse me, and you're right, uh, inner circle. I have a, I do have an inner circle of family and close friends who are, um, I, you know, call them my listening group. And, uh, so they, they get, you know, first crack at, at, uh, the episodes before I publish them just in case there's anything that is really going wrong that I need to address. Um, and has there been, has there been any feedback? They're like, Whoa, 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 wait a second here. Pump the brakes. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. I haven't gotten any pump the brakes feedback, but I have, especially in those early episodes, um, there, there, um, you know, I would say that the acting has, uh, progressed. Mm-hmm. The acting has progressed from those early few episodes to what's happening. Uh, certainly I think what's happening in season two, where you're at. And then definitely, I think with season three, okay. everything is the game has sort of stepped up and stepped okay. up. So, um, so you have that to hopefully look forward to. Uh, feel free to let me know if you disagree as you go. I will. But, uh, I'll let you know. Yeah, and um, but uh, I think I think if there's been one consistent piece of feedback from my inner circle, as well as you know critic, you know uh, just regular people out there listening to the show, uh, critiques is just that the the acting can be as is maybe just a little bit rough, a little bit sort of like reading from the script, mm-hmm. you know, early on, and that's literally because. We're all, uh, you, it is basically like the learning curve is exposed is, is mm-hmm. unfortunately is out there to, to hear in some places. Um, but, uh, I'm aware of it and, and it's been a good learning ex- experience. And I think that the show is better for it, for some of the, the, um, some of the shortcomings are early on. Uh, and I don't want to, s- <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a critic. In, well, I'm critical of people, but I'm not correct. So I don't, but I, I agree. The, the first handful of episodes, I was just like, I like this, but there's just something. And I just couldn't quite, you know, it's like a very small pebble in your shoe. It's just, 
you know, I can't, I can keep walking, but I just don't quite. And season two has been progressed is a good word. Okay. I don't want to yeah. say it's better. I don't mean it like that, but I think it's progressed. I think maybe the actors are more comfortable with the characters maybe. And yep. you know, maybe that's it. So I, I enjoy it. So, all right. So you, you, you kind of released it to the, your listening group, you know, did you, when you launched chapter one, were you in a podcast network at that time or did you release it as an independent? I was not in a, Dirt was not in a podcast network. Okay. Uh, that that was the, that was certainly the dream and the goal because I I knew that they existed and were out there. Um, but uh, no, there was uh, there was none of that at the start. And okay. you know, I think that first week that the first episode was out. Uh, actually, I think I launched episodes one and two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was this would be going back to the fall of 2020. Um, and I think it maybe had 50 downloads, you know, the first few weeks and be just, simply because it was brand new and I had no connections, no, there was no marketing of any kind behind it. Okay. And it was just purely, let's just put it out there first and then, and then try to get the recognition okay. uh, second. And so uh, it, it took a little while to get, to get that going. Who, what company did you, did you use to host it when you initially launched? What, what, who were you using? Uh, it's a host called Libsyn. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard yeah, of them. I heard it. Uh, yeah, well, I think probably at the time they were probably the largest thing out there as far as number of shows on there. Cause they've been around for a long, long time. So were you, yeah. cause this is me. Were you kind of obsessively refreshing the screen to see downloads? <laughs> yeah, I would say I was. And <laughs> yeah. I think. There are, uh, I'm certainly not the first and only person who's tried their hand at this. There are, are I, I've, I sense of, um, in the audio drama space specifically, I sense of learned that there are hundreds of people like me who are just having fun and doing this mm-hmm. uh, as a hobby to various degrees of serious effort or just for fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think a lot of us, you know, all had that same experience of launching uh, as essentially a nobody, right? Uh, just purely as an independent effort and uh, just on the daily, maybe th- several times a day, just like, is anyone listening? Is anyone out there, mm-hmm. you know, refreshing, click, you know, looking at the, looking at the stats. And then, you know, you get, then suddenly you get your first, there were a hundred downloads today and you're going crazy, throwing, you know, on top <laughs> of the world. And it's, and it's so great. And, you know, you go through all those, you know, various stages as the show. And the um, next day is 50 and you're like, you're, you're, yeah. you're like, you know, I don't want to say, yeah, you're just miserable. You're beside yourself. It's over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, I, so, okay. So you, you launched it. I'll say you self-published it using Libsyn. Okay. Yeah. When did, when did the network, how did you, and you said, Downloads were low to start with because you, okay. What flipped the switch? Because currently, what's your what's your what are you averaging on a on an episode download now? Uh, you know, you know, I I don't think of it necessarily in terms of per episode, okay. But it is it's around forty to fifty thousand per month of downloads per month now. Okay, so that's a um, that's a great number to have. So, you went from. You know, a hundred a day, which would be, you know, let's do the math. It'd be 3000 episodes. You've 10 to 20 X this thing. How, what, what happened? What did, did you get, was it written up somewhere? Did, you know, what was the, what was, or was it multiple things, but how did you go from anonymity to this well-known show? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, uh, it, it, a lot of it was just grassroots, uh, mostly on my part, also on some family members' parts, uh, marketing and just, you know, sending the link out to, you know, friends, putting it up on Instagram and Facebook for all of my, you know, friends and colleagues to, to see on there. A um, couple of well-placed uh, LinkedIn posts early on too, which, really? you know, I have, I have uh, you know, unfortunately I have a pretty good network on LinkedIn just for, because of the, decades that I've worked in the, you know, tech ad world. Right. And, um, so, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't my day job, but I thought, well, I'm just going to treat this like a job, and why not? Why not post it there instead of just on as a instead of simply as a hobby right. on you know Instagram or whatever to you know to to just friends and family. So, so that that helped a lot. Um, other shows uh, like mine, and I, I don't mean like in the in the story sense, but in the in the um, in the genre or the uh, the level of popularity sense, you know, the independent, the indie sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, making connections there and, um, uh, sharing each other's episodes in our podcast feeds mm-hmm. that help. That's a tactic that really helps. And when I did join the network, uh, fable and folly network, by the way, is the name of the network that dirt, that dirt is a part of, um, they, one of the first things that they said was you want your show to grow. Um, do feed swaps, do episode mm-hmm. uh, swaps on other shows in the network, uh, other shows who are in our network, put it on their feeds as well. And you'll just see things, uh, mm-hmm. you'll just see numbers like you've never seen before. And they were right. That was definitely a, uh, an excellent tactic as well. But that came that came later on. So early on when it was the slow slower growth and trying to get the attention of the podcast network, it was mm-hmm. really just a matter of making personal connections with other other creators um twitter is a big space for uh audio mm-hmm. drama and fiction podcasting so getting connected with that community that was already there mm-hmm. I, th- I think maybe a lot of them have actually left twitter since uh our old pal elon got involved but um it still is a pretty active community uh of people who enjoy not just not just creators of the shows but people who enjoy this type of entertainment right. and are and are uh sort of just that are very vocally and and uh, in a very positive sense, uh, promoting it to their friends as well. Right. That's that's great. I I think that's awesome. And so, the the network. Did you approach them, or did they approach you? I approached the network. Um, I know that they had heard the show and heard of the show, mm-hmm. and I sort of was kind of waiting and picking my moment, I guess. And it was right after I launched all of the season two episodes, which I was able to act at that time. I was able to do like one week at a one week at a time, but all of them one week in a row. Like mm-hmm. I had them all, I had them all in the can. So I was able to just like, you know, just like get them all out there. And I think that that also kind of caught a lot of people's attention because they realized they could now binge, right. You know, this show. And so uh, it was right after uh, or a few weeks after I had gotten the last of the season two episodes out there that I reached out to the, to the fable and folly network and said, okay, here's, I've got two seasons in the can. They're out there. I have a little bit of a, of a loyal audience. Mm -hmm. Um, If you like the show, I would really love to join the network and see if together we can turn this into something uh, more and bigger. And Mm -hmm. I would say that uh, it has been, uh, it, it is, you know, Success is defined in various terms, you know, like, is it as popular as, um, uh, as friends on TV? Like, no, will it ever be? No, but is it, is it doing well compared, you know, in its genre, in its, Mm -hmm. in, in that sort of expected space. And I would say that, uh, I would say that it has, it has gotten there. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm going to look something up in real time here. Are you familiar with the website? Listen notes. Uh, no, I'm not. So listen notes is a podcast search engine and I'm looking up your show. Okay. Let's see what you get. You, according to, according to them, you are in the global, global rank, the top 1% of all podcasts. Hmm. Well, that's nice to hear. Wow. Well, yeah. uh, thank you for doing that just now. And well, okay. guess my work here is done. Um, <laughs> uh, that, I, would, I mean, that's, I would advise you go in and claim, claim your show because <laughs> I you, will. Yeah. You can go, and, listen, go and claim. listen notes. Gotcha. Listen notes. I, yeah. I will do that. And, um, I, I am, I am generally aware that uh, the vast majority of podcasts, whether it's you know yeah. a, a fiction or a drama 
genre like what I'm doing or or more of an interview series like what you do um, or, you know, obviously there's like a, a whole uh, span of different types of podcasts that mm -hmm. uh, most of them, uh, you know, a lot of them fizzle out after a few episodes or people just give it a try and they <laughs> let it, you know, decide that it's not for them or whatever. And so there is a, um, there is sort of just that tier that exists of um, basic attempt at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think for people who can stick with it and grow a little bit of an audience, um, it can be a really fun, gratifying thing. Yeah. And like for our show, you know, so I can, I know my numbers, I know your numbers We're we're quote unquote in the top 5% and we're not close to your numbers. So well, um, now if I'm being honest with you, you're in the top 1%, but you know, Joe Rogan is way yep. up there, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. you know, downloads. I mean, what's his, his download numbers are just ridiculous, you know? So yeah. anyway, yeah. but yep. you, you, but here's the thing you have accomplished something. You're, you are accomplishing something. You are telling a story. You are entertaining and engaging people that don't know you in a, in an audio format that is popular, but it's not, it's not Netflix, right? You have to work a little bit harder to listen to a podcast podcast than you do if you're going to sit down and watch Netflix. So I think this is awesome. Now, I don't want to talk about your show really anymore because I want, I, my goal here is I want people to listen to your show. I, I do. I'm enjoying it. I'm at the time we're recording this. Like I said, I'm only on episode 10. I don't see any reason that I won't keep enjoying it. So, I mean, I, but I haven't, I haven't finished it folks. Okay. Carl's Carl is coming back. Yeah. Just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. And really? there is a little bit of, there's a little bit of Mississippi twang in Carl that uh, I know uh, uh, the actor Aaron is uh, from Mississippi. So we tried to turn that into more of a country accent. Yeah. But, uh, Carl's Carl's a little, Carl's a little creepy <laughs> to me. His, his actions are a little like a little like aggressive and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's but you kind know what? The, that's not that's not a complaint. That's not like I, I'm not saying get, I'm not saying right. Scott says write Carl out. No, I'm just saying this is one of those characters that I'm like, is this this guy? This guy could yeah. be bad news here. Some somehow this guy's gonna get involved in something that might not go well. Could be, could be. Um, and I think I wrote Carl to be sort of the anti. Joseph, who is very, okay. in, in many ways, sort of protective of his privacy and, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. hide, you know, maybe hides his, hides his feelings or maybe has, uh, ulterior motives at times. Whereas Carl is somebody who is, uh, everything he does is just sort of out on the surface. He's, he's, um, he overshares. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but I will say, I will say that, um, of all the characters, uh, people who, of uh, people have written to me about Carl is high on the list. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, All right. A lot of Carl fans out there. Okay. You might become one. Who knows? I might. I might. You might. So I'm looking kind of at your resume. And I looked, I it, somehow I ended up on your wife's resume site too. So that, that sounds kind of stalkerish and I don't mean it that way, but question. <laughs> So I see you went to the University of Washington. You got a Bachelor of Arts in Creative Writing. Yes. But your wife went to WSU. That's so you're correct. one of those households. Can I tell you more? Can I take it even farther down that road? Go right ahead. Okay. So you're probably aware of the rivalry between the Washington Huskies and the Oregon Ducks. Yes. Uh, my, my wife's family, almost all of them went to University of Oregon. Hmm. And my dad has a degree from Oregon State University, and my daughter is currently going to school there. So, okay. uh, so we have all four Northwest schools so represented you've got the Apple in the, Cup in, and in the, the immediate Civil War. family. Yeah. Got them all. We've got them all. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, like I grew up in the Spokane Valley. Um, mm -hmm. My my dad for decades has been a rabid. Um, Coug fan, Cougar football in mm -hmm. particular, uh, even though he he personally didn't attend the school. Um, I would say that 
Sarah, my wife is more Husky, more Washington Husky than she is um, WSU Cougars. That's that's where she got her degree from. But where did she, where did she grow up? In Mukilteo. So she's, Mukilteo. she's so it's interesting. So you side. grew up on the east side. You came to the west. She grew up on the west and went to the east. She was there only briefly, okay. uh, but but yes, yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah. So, so we, got, we got the whole we got the whole state got the whole state covered. Yeah, you do. So your career did some intern stuff at Alaska Airlines. How does one end up? Are you are you a ski buff? Snowboard skiing is that your thing? Yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, I grew, I grew up skiing at Mount Spokane from and forty nine degrees north. Uh, mm -hmm. For anyone listening who knows those areas, uh, since age four. Okay, uh, Jackson was, Hole, was, Wyoming is some pretty good skiing. Jackson Hole, Wyoming is some good skiing, and I lived there for a year uh, okay. right after college. Um, uh, yeah, there, there are so many places in the in the Western U.S. that are just you know outstanding and i've been to many of them on uh road trips or vacations or visiting you know friends who've lived in various places but i always come back to washington mm -hmm. uh it, this this place is in my bones and that it goes you know it goes back you know three generations right. uh for me and uh it's hard you know it's hard to fathom uh being a resident mm -hmm. anywhere, I have lived in other parts of the country actually, right. but um, it would be hard, you know, to not, you know, keep my roots here. That's for sure. So, what's a what's your what's a, a typical day look like for you in the career? Uh, well, my my job for the last three years uh, uh, has been fully remote. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I work in the I work in the tech sort of advertising world. And so uh, just like, just as you and I, our, our audience can't see us right now, but we're, we're looking at each other in full HD on our, on our laptops. And um, so that's, that's my day is really just uh, working at home mm -hmm. uh, in uh, very, you know, in various uh, video calls and, and, and meetings. Um, and uh, uh the job I was at until just about a month ago, where I was at for for a, a good number of years, uh, still has an office, still has a physical office in downtown Seattle, although mm -hmm. it's a much smaller office now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. They gave, they gave up a lot of the square footage, um, so you know I I work with a lot of creative people in the in the advertising industry, and being together in a room that's the way it was done forever you know mm -hmm. like not to draw on that tired cliche of madmen but you know you, you if you watch the show you know you've got four or five people in a room they're batting ideas around writers designers art directors etc and that's the norm in my industry but that was all upended you know a mm -hmm. few years ago and we all went remote and we had to do that kind of stuff like this instead mm -hmm. a little awkward at first but figured it out to the point where very few people actually want to go back back to work in the office. And we're, you know, we're very fortunate. We're very privileged and that we don't have to, you know, physically go into work if mm -hmm. if we don't want to. I know a lot of people, you know, have have to do that and have had to uh throughout um a lot of the, you know, crazy stuff that's happened in the last few years. But um So do you do you like working remotely? Does it work do. for you? Okay. It does. I do. I do very much. Um it's uh I just, uh, I enjoy the routine that I have of working at home. It's, um, dry, I don't, I do not miss, you know, getting, getting up early, taking the shower, driving into the office, spending, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, whatever number of hours there. And then driving back, right. um, leaving my dog mm -hmm. or leaving our dog here for seven, eight hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, even though he, even though we would come home and he would have to go to the bathroom really badly he would still give us that that warm greeting he still still loved us despite uh mm -hmm. despite us leaving him alone for so long but uh, now he has us here all day long and he can just walk up and ask for a pet any anytime he wants to so i love it i do i i really enjoy the the remote aspect of work these days my our, our my dog is uh currently he's um spending more time in his condo um without his humans around um <laughs> 
but he, my guy's a little bigger than your dog. So, uh, um, <clears throat> he knocks me over today when I got home and let him out and he hit me so hard. He knocks me over. It's like, wow. um, he, he's a, but you know, super happy, super exuberant, but he likes it when I'm in the office and he can lay down and sit at my feet and just, you know, bark yeah. in the middle of a recording. Yeah. So I can't remember your answer when I asked you this in the pre-interview. So I'm, I'm hoping, well, it doesn't matter. Are you, do you drink coffee? I absolutely do drink coffee. Okay. Where's a great place to get coffee around you? Uh, well, I, there's, uh, it's a, it's a local chain, uh, here in Seattle. Uh, but it's Cafe Ladro. Cafe Ladro. Okay. Yep. So they've got a few, uh, been around locations. a long time. Been around a long time. Good coffee. Really good coffee. Mm -hmm. Just their, whatever they're doing, the way that they roast the coffee, it just has kind of a nice, uh, I don't know, nutty taste to it. I'm yeah. not much of a tasting notes person. I have to say, even though I do enjoy a glass of red wine from time to time, but um, uh, there's just something about the Cafe Ladro coffee that is uh, that is that is good, and they have great, um, you know, they have really good uh, kind of open spaces to sit in with the laptop and mm -hmm. do a little bit of uh, do a little bit of writing if you need to. Also, so what's your what's your coffee drink of choice? I, uh, I try not to do too much of the dairy. So not, not a latte, it pretty mm -hmm. much just like an Americano, okay. like a medium, like a medium or dark roast Americano with, uh, with a splash of uh 2% milk. will okay. do it. That's okay. fine. So if I'm coming over to your area of the world, where's a great place to grab lunch? There's a lot of great places over here in Seattle. Uh, one spot or it actually has the word spot in its name. It's the five spot. Oh yeah. Which is up on Queen Anne. Yeah. And I haven't been there in years. That's geez. Okay. That's a good is, one. It is still around. Yeah. Uh, although it was, they, they did close for maybe 18 months or so. And I think there were, there was a little bit of worry that they might not uh, reopen and come back, but um, great breakfast mm -hmm. and, and lunch. Yeah. Great breakfast, okay. breakfast and lunch spot. The, the BLT there with the the thick fries is a good way to go. All right. Yeah. No, that's so in all your copious free time, cause you don't have to commute, you know, you've got a job, your wife has a career too. You both have careers. You have a dog. Yeah. You're recording a podcast series. What do you guys like to do for fun? Where's the dog want to go for a walk? Well, the dog, it's interesting you say that because he's probably at the top of the stairs right now, looking down, wondering what's uh, going on. What, yeah, like it's mm -hmm. time, buddy. Uh, literally, our dog asks for, I don't know how many times you take your dog for a walk a day, Scott, probably a lot. Um, our dog will just lay around like a cat and sleep all day long until mm -hmm. right after dinner, mm -hmm. 6.30, 7 o'clock, almost always on the nose, and he will just walk up and he will just stare at me. Mm -hmm. And there's and there's no getting out of it. There's 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 <laughs> There's no getting out of it. And I know, I know immediately and exactly what it means because it's our routine. And so we just, uh, we, we actually don't, uh, we don't really go anywhere for the dog walk. It's right around the neighborhood here. Okay. And so he knows, he knows the streets, he knows every street within six blocks of the house and oftentimes likes to tell me which street he would like to walk okay. down tonight or okay. up as the case may be. Yeah. Okay. We could go on and on and on, but because the dog will need your attention shortly and to keep it, you know, within the navigational beacons, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I got a couple last questions. Number okay. one, what didn't I ask you that I should have? Oh, you're going to, you're going to stump me here at the very end. Uh, I think maybe ask me if we have time the significance of the story going to Mary Hill State Park. Okay. Do you know this you, part of the state? You are currently there. So this may be a spoiler alert, but go ahead. What's the significance? It's not a spoil. It won't be a, it won't be a story spoiler. Okay. But uh, it is, a, I, uh, I grew up with, uh, I grew up in Spokane, as I mentioned a few times, and then we had family in Seattle. We had family in 
Portland, we had family in Yakima Mm -hmm. and Mary Hills State Park on the Columbia River always served as a central meeting spot for family reunions, almost annual family reunions. And so uh, it just, for nostalgic reasons, I decided to, you know, write it into the story and have it be a, uh, you know, serve uh, just just kind of be a place uh, okay. where something is found and discovered, and uh, it and also just where I'm at is I'm in the episode. I'm right. You found something. That's 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 right where I'm at and what I was listening to before we jumped on. So that's where I'm. Yeah, at. yeah. So uh, it also happens to be where uh, my real grandfather's memorial was, just as I uh, just as Joseph's grandfather uh, had his memorial there, and so mm-hmm. it's just. It just, uh, again, getting back to your questions earlier, I think the locations in the story all have uh, personal connections, family or personal connections, in some cases, deep connections of, mm-hmm. of some kind or, or another, okay. which I think for me has made the story just that much more fun to write. So, All right. A couple last things. Um, this I'm, I'm throwing this one at you, and I understand it's a curveball and, and, you know, when dirt is completed, you think you got another story in you? Yeah, I, I, I think I do. Well, I don't know if it'll be another audio story or something else. Um, so time will tell. I really enjoy audio production. Um, I, I definitely see myself still doing it Mm -hmm. to some degree afterward, but I don't know. I don't know what that would be, but yes, I do think that there is more storytelling of some kind though. So I wrote a note before we went live and I haven't asked the question. Studio 5705. What's this? What's the meaning? Uh, 5705 is the street address of the house I grew up in. Okay. And, uh, you know, we, we talk in the, in the creative ad world, we talk about sand sandboxes, like mm-hmm. playing in the sandbox in terms right. of, coming up with ideas or how can we, uh, uh, yeah, just, just, you know, ideating, uh, creative idea generation. And, uh, in, uh, for the first maybe five years that, uh, we lived in this house that my parents built up in the Hills in the Spokane Valley, my, my two sisters and I were, were, you know, age 10 or less, my parents decided to forego any formal landscaping. And just had two dump trucks come and dump two big piles of sand in the front yard. And that's all we did almost every day in the summer was just go outside and, and dig tunnels. And there, there are untold buried toys in that, uh, in that, in that front yard for whoever, whoever lives there now, they could unearth them and maybe be (laughs) a little, maybe a little puzzled why, you know, of what what they're finding there, but um, they need a metal detector. They, they might need a metal detector. Who knows what they'd find? So anyway, um, yeah, I just thought like I was kind of struggling, like, oh, I could go with something kind of kind of artisan sounding or, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, nah, I just couldn't come up with the right name. So I was like, well, I love that house I grew up in. And I have so many great memories and it served as such a, I had a very sort of free and creative childhood. You know, I feel very fortunate that I had that, which I think is part of what informs me wanting to do things like this today. So I just was like, okay, cool. I'll take the studio, studio 5705. All right. So the last question I have of you. Okay. Cake or pie and why? Okay. Uh, Well, my wife would say cake for sure. She's, uh, she would eat cake three times a day. She could. Uh, but for me, I have to say pie, uh, apple pie specifically, which you know is sound probably sounds kind of generic and vanilla. <laughs> no, but, it just um, sounds Washingtonian, Frank. Come on, all the apples here. So there's an apple pie competition amongst myself and my siblings, okay. and and my father every year, and each of us claims that we make the best apple pie. Okay. Uh, my sister gave me a pie dish for Christmas one year that in cursive writing says second best apple pie <laughs> that I faithfully use for every apple pie that I make and feed the family. And I'll tell you, Scott, they love it. And I think it's 
I, I do think it's the number one apple okay. pie in the family. All so right. between you and me, okay. no one else has no one else has to know that. No, we'll keep that down. Me. Okay. So the last thing is you. Where can people find out more about dirt? Where do you want them to go? What should they, you know, where 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 should people go? Well, uh, let me just say again, thanks for doing this. This is so awesome. And thank you to anybody who's lasted this long to the end, uh, listening to all this. And um, the best place to visit uh, to learn more about the show would be the show's website. It's dirtaudiodrama.com. It has all the episodes there, but also has some background information that goes into a little bit more detail about sort of family inspiration and some of the, some of the locations. Great uh, photography. Thank you. There's yeah. a photo of the uh, there's there's a photo of the actual metal detector that I use for the Foley sounds, which is uh, which is very similar to the metal detector that uh, my real grandfather used. Um, so that was again some story inspiration there. So um, yeah, if you want to learn more about the show and sort of a little bit of behind the scenes stuff, that's the place to go. And okay. follow and follow the show on Twitter, just because that's where most of the updates happen. So that's uh, Dirt Audio Drama on Twitter. Okay. Chris, thanks for doing this. This is great. Keep up the show. I really am enjoying it. I've shared it with some of my friends. Oh, I do have a question. I, I, I don't have to record this. We're going to record anyway. Have yeah, you yeah. listened to Ghost Herd? No, I have not. So Ghost Herd is a documentary about a family in the Pasco area who the, the patriarch of the family created a fake herd of cattle and got away with about $250 million and bankrupted his family. And this is a true story. It was, this is an NPR show, uh, uh done and, um, uh, written and, and told by uh, a, a journalist in, in the Pasco area. It, your show, not similar at all, but there's just, there's just something about this rural, Washington thing, right? And that show has a kind of, it touches on it and your show touches on it. And they're just, it's interesting, but it was a, I think a six episode series uh, called uh, ghost herd. And uh, anyway, I just, that just popped in my brain. Like I warned you, we go down rabbit holes here. So I love it. Thank you for the re recommendation. I will check it out. I, I love stories like that. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a happy story. It's, it's really not a happy story. Um, it's really, quite tragic. Um, anyway, thanks so much for being on the show. Really enjoyed this. Uh, looking forward to continuing listening. I will get back to you. Um, and the problem with shows like yours and like, this is the same thing with the Netflix show when you binge, 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 and you get caught up, then you got to wait. And mm -hmm. that's the, uh, um, so but that's, yeah. The, anyway. Yeah. I, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Scott. Much appreciated. And I hope we can talk again soon. I hope so. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore Law State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today. And I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.